My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday, February 13th, 2018. This is Messiah Matters number 253. Literally grew up and continue to live in 253. My name is Caleb Hag. <laughs> That's great. Hey, I'm a snow shoveling fool if there ever was one. And I'm Rob Van Hoff. That's right. That's right. For those of you who I'm don't Seriously, my- dude, I've gotten... Okay. Serious exercise lately, man. You and me both, man. That shoveling is just like, there's no end. So I don't have, yeah. So for those who don't <laughs> realize this, basically Washington, the, the entirety of Washington state got hit with a snowstorm. Well, they got high, the, both passes are closed, I think, right now. High uh, two, you know, uh, Highway 2 and I-90, I think, are both closed. So we got we got about a foot and a half here in Tacoma, Washington, which is very rare. The last time that happened was seven years ago. I know that specifically because my wife was pregnant with my son and we walked through the snow to Safeway. Oh, the good memories. See, yeah, good memories, right? Right. So uh, but with that said, we got all this snow. It was, you know, my kids are ecstatic about it, whatever. Now it's just getting a little annoying. Um, yeah, oops. Um, and for those who didn't get my joke in the beginning, because it was a joke, kind of. My area, I get it. Our, our area, yeah, and, and any and anyone who who calls our comment line should get it too. Two five three, four six five thirty two zero five two five three. We're on show two five three. My right. area code. I remember when it changed. It didn't always. It didn't always used to be two five three. We used to have two zero six, and then they made Seattle two zero six. In Tacoma, oh. little uh, Tacoma history for everyone out there who, yeah. uh, and I know no one cares, but that's okay. Hey, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. We got a good showing in the chat room already. And, and, I, and I will say, my name is Rob Vanoff, and I will not be on the chat room today. Good for you, brother. Good for you. Brother. I have a problem. <laughs> my name is Rob Vanoff, and I, I can't problem. be in the chat room. <laughs> Um, okay, but I did. I I forgot to get it. I wanted to get the the clip where I said la- when we used to be mean or something like that. Oh Everybody yes, saying I said that. Yes. So I I didn't go. I forgot to get that clip. I wanted to hear exactly what I said. I don't think that's what I said. I think that's what you said. <laughs> okay. What I meant was when people used to think we were mean. I don't think we were mean. I think we were sharp. We were we were uh, very motivated and passionate and and we were dealing we were getting hit with a lot of different crazy doctrines and we were just gonna we were just gonna get the machete out and start you know chopping down branches and whacking at the at the weeds so 
Yeah, my friend, my friend said uh, your time of and when we switched show format at two hundred, and people don't realize we show we switch show format because it looks exactly the same. It sounds exactly the same. The format that we changed was we no longer look at specific doctrines put forward by. I mean, we we don't like take somebody's teaching and say this is what's wrong with it. We'll take the teaching and take their name off of it and say we don't agree with this and this is why. But that change came and my friend said the time of being heresy hunters is over and so i think that's how people viewed us but you know what we were in good company james white you know his yeah, we still have people email privately saying hey and we'll and so yeah yeah i don't know a, i mean i i can see us depending on how bad something is we might have to pull out the machete again <laughs> i don't know yeah, I mean, oh. honestly, I think that, uh, well, especially in the past couple of years, I think uh, my my spiritual maturity has grown and I have changed. And, uh, yeah. You know, that I wasn't going to say anything about this, but uh, so putting together the uh, Growing in Messiah with my wife has been a, a eye-opening and uh, educational experience. My wife and I work so much differently from each other, um, which is great because we'll actually compliment each other when we finally get everything rolling. But my wife is such a planner. <clears throat> and, you know, she wants to, she, you know, I keep saying, well, do we have a, you want to set a start date? No, 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 no. We have a lot to figure out. She's, you know, she's talking about remodeling a room so that we can uh, video record in a, in a specific room, uh, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but. I think what we'll probably do is, and the, you know, our, our launch date could be several months out, could be six months out, um, could be even more, I don't know. But I think what we'll do is we'll probably start writing articles first. Um, but we're very excited to do it. It's, uh, the, I've never, I never thought I'd have to have planning meetings with my wife. My wife and I are together all the time, but we actually, you know, we actually no, have... But what, what's really cool here is that... Um, this is good for all marriages though, but you're appreciating the differences in approaching things. And when you sit down and you plan something like this, you're, you're building your own marriages. You know what I mean? You're actually growing together right? Messiah because you're listening to each other. Um, you're acknowledging like you're sharing here that your wife is wired for a different strategy for, for, you know what I mean? She has, she has through how God has shaped her, a, a way of attacking a problem in a systematic way that is different than yours. And so you get a benefit from her strengths and, and then she'll benefit from yours. That's why uh, the interesting really thing cool is project. the interesting thing is, is that I think her way is actually better because I can see how we are now, you know, we're on the, on the same page a lot more in terms of, you know, we've had to talk about things like, um, you know, who's our audience, you know, her, her question to me the other night, this is a great question. Is this Messiah matters part two? And my oh. answer was no, no, it's not. And so, you know, then her obvious question comes, okay, great. Well, Messiah Matters will stay doing what it's doing, which is needed and great, but are we hitting a different audience? You know, are we hitting, or maybe not a different audience, but is our audience expand? Who are we talking to? That's a really good question. It's made us, you know, it's made me think a lot about where the Lord is leading us in ministry and, and how we're, and this will actually play into a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Um, and some of the comments that I made last, last week. Um, if you don't know, by the way, 
uh, we have a poll up on Facebook, on our Facebook page. I would encourage everyone who has not already gone and posted in that poll to go check out the poll. It will uh, play into what we're talking about today. Um, and it's about coming to Torah and have we left the church. I actually have a teaching called Have We Left the Church? But um, this is a little bit more poignant in terms of do you, I think we have six questions up there. I think the first one is, uh, when I came to Torah, uh, I, I came to Torah and I continue to, to attend a, a, a Sunday church. Yeah. Then number two is I uh, came to Torah, I left the church and attend a, a Saturday uh, fellowship, so on and so forth. So it's kind of to try to get a pulse of where people are in terms of community and fellowship and um, yeah, and we got some very interesting and really good emails in the past week concerning the idea of Sunday churches. And uh, this is a question that we actually at Torah Resource, we get on a weekly basis. And I say that because people contact us weekly and say, either I'm looking for a fellowship, there's nothing around me, and or um, I no longer attend church, is there an online fellowship I can go to, or... Um, I, I came to tour and I want to continue to go to my church. What do you think about that? So there's all sorts of different um, uh, questions that people have about this. Um, hang on. I fro- First of all, I froze Rob. Sorry about that. Okay, there you go. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, oh, you're fine. Um, Are you there? No. <laughs> so we're, yeah, I'm, I'm still navigating through. The programs that I use are are a little fidgety. So. What I like about this, Caleb, with this topic, that's why I'm really like appreciate the email that we got um, that kind of set this off because obviously other people have been thinking about that. They've been hearing you share different experiences, and so we get into the idea of of our our security and our own identity, right? Our ownership over what Yeshua has given us personally what our responsibilities are, what the boundaries are. And as we, like you talked about growing in maturity, we learn, we get more and more clear on what those boundaries are, what, right. what are, what are godly boundaries. And um, it seems like what we see is a, a, a kind of this dichotomy between, Oh, I'm, I've escaped the, what was it? The, uh, the burnt by the sun idea, like right. the church is pagan, Right. Therefore, right. I'm going to avoid it like the plague, right? So that's one extreme. The other is uh, probably maybe a fear that, you know, I, I like going to the, I like fellowshipping with people at a church, but I'm afraid if I go there, I'm going to lose, you know, I, I won't keep the Shabbat anymore or something like that. So uh, that's just off the top of my head. It seems like there's a spectrum in between there and people might, um, be motivated by these different kind of fears or convictions. And I believe, and I think you would agree that maturity, part of the reason why I, I, I think you put these questions together and I think they're really spot on is to put this right on the front of the table and say, okay, what is spiritual maturity here? Am I, do I have an accurate picture of, of what the Lord wants me to be doing? Right. Or am I prejudging myself into you know situations that now I'm steered by those maybe unquestioned um, convictions uh, rather than what the Holy Spirit is actually uh, and where wisdom is right and and that, and it's it's not going to be a one size fits all 
So this is not like we're going to establish a halakha for everybody. You're right. That's well. So actually, that's it's interesting you say that. One of there were two emails that really stood out to me this past week. One of them was from our good friend uh, Philip, who is in the UK, and he said, "You know, your representation is way off." Uh, he said, you know, we've, we tried to stay at the church that we were at. We were the first to get there and help set up. We were the last to leave and we would break down. It would be us and the pastor. Uh, you know, we tried to attend all the time. We tried to help all these kind of things. And they were so offended. Basically, I'm paraphrasing his email at this point. I, I don't have it in front of me, but basically they were so offended by what we believed on the Torah that we got kicked out. So we right. don't have we didn't have that choice. We don't you know, we can't just go down to our local Sunday church and 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 have fellowship. Fair enough. That's a good point. And I want right, to right. one of the things I want to be really clear about in in uh, what I said last week, I understand that there that every single situation is different. You know, I know people, um, you know, I know Jim and, and Pat, for instance, they're they're uh, older. They have a, a fellowship every once in a while in their home. Um, they're not as mobile as before. They live where they live because of their children. Great. You know, they've, they've looked for a place. They haven't been able to find something when they can, they have something in their home. Otherwise they attend a fellowship online. So I think every single, every single situation is different. Um, and every single situation has, needs to be looked at individually. And I'm not saying that I have the answers for everybody. That's not at all what I'm saying. However, one of the other emails that I got uh, was was a really, really good conversation. And we, we shared emails back and forth uh, throughout the week. But one of the interesting phrases that, continue, that this gentleman continued to say to me was, when I left my previous religion or my previous religion. Now, I asked for clarification on that, which, which we never got to, and, and that's okay. But basically... I want, it made me wonder, do, do people see the church, the Christian church, the Sunday Christian church as a different religion? I think that back to the far right the, uh, of that spectrum, the Babylon, oh, the church is, is Babylon. I think that view would go well with what you're describing. Right. I'm not saying that the same people would say that. I think people could consider it a different religion without saying it's full of paganism but i don't know maybe maybe not because if uh maybe they go together really well you know another thing that i should highlight this by the way this is we're 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 into the show topic this is this is what we're talking about um and we'll get into what we call deal breakers but um you know another thing that i want to highlight is that and i said last week i live in tacoma we have two hundred fifty thousand people here there are churches on you know, all over the place. They're everywhere in every flavor, every denomination. Um, so in that, I'm fortunate that there's there's a lot of churches around, and a lot of believers around. With that said, we live in one of the more liberal places in the United States. And when Here's I, a question on that front. Do you think Yeshua, because we know that he traveled throughout the synagogues in Galilee, do you think he was always teaching in those synagogues? No. Do you think Yeshua went to a synagogue and just sat down and listened? Yes. And then just maybe, you know, met some people and enjoyed a meal and, and then left I, at certain points. I, now, we're never told that. I, I mean, you could maybe someone could correct me on that, but I don't know that we're ever told. We're told as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. 
And then, but then we're told specifically that day that he read and taught. So, and we're told that specifically that he taught in the synagogues. But, but what I'm seeing is that if, does that mean he endorsed the teachings of all these synagogues that he visited? Well, you could say, well, but obviously it was on Shabbat and they were Israel, you know, and it's like, okay, sure. Well, um, this, this gets into a much deeper conversation, which is what, what was the predominant uh, sect of Judaism in the first century? Was it Pharisaism? Was it Sadduceeism? Was it Essenism? Because it seems to me, you know, and I know that this is a huge topic and a lot of people have a lot of different beliefs on this. It seems to me that Yeshua grew up and probably leaned very much so Pharisaic. Sure. But the, but the, the, the synagogue is my belief and you can argue maybe a different side, but I would say that the sin by the first century, you know, the synagogues developed in the second temple period, right? There's no synagogues in King David's day, right? That we, there's no mention of any kind of synagogues in the first temple. I think the institution of the synagogue in local communities functioned for civil purposes, for taking care of the community and for discussing the Torah and for, gathering on Shabbat and talking about Torah. I think it's a, it it didn't have an ism associated from it for it because it's all local people trying to make sense. And I don't think, I don't think we should assume that all the the Jews living in any, some Northern remote Galilean community going to their synagogue were like robots with some kind of Pharisaic doctrinal sign off. You know, I don't think that is a... It's like the Greek Orthodox Church today, right? There's only one Greek Orthodox Church in every major city. Why? Because they think that there should only be one church for every city. In other words, if you're Greek Orthodox, you can believe this, 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 and this, but you all go to the same church. I, You know, I understand what you're saying. And we know, like, even in in the diaspora, the Berea, Berean Church, which was a synagogue, obviously the word church wasn't there, Paul goes there and teaches, and they all, they all believe. Right. Right? So there's there were communities out there that were not so um, solid that they were receptive to hearing things. But but now we're talking about a difference between going and visiting a place and listening and maybe asking questions versus going and standing up and saying, I'm going to tell you, you know, who the Messiah is. You know, this passage from Isaiah is talking about Yeshua, who's risen from the dead. Right. So and that's where the splits start happen as Paul goes out you know, and starts preaching in these synagogues, we see some believe and some reject. And then you get this hostility. Okay, wait, so, so hang on just a sec. I want to go back real quick because, okay. um, first of all, we have a very interesting comment in the in the chat room, and I want to get to that in just a second. But I want to clarify, when I say liberal, because our Australian friends told me that liberal means something totally different in right, Australia. Right, be careful. Okay, so yeah. liberal in America and especially in the... Uh, in the area that I live in, <clears throat> very um, LGBTQ friendly, like and open I'm, and affirming, yeah, yeah, kind of thing, yeah, and, and the and even and even syncretism, like uh, right. syncretism, is it syncretism? Syncretism is like, yeah, our our you know our lesbian female pastor also practices. She right. teaches Buddhism, right. like with a you know you know what I mean. Like there's things where they mix. She's also a yoga shaman who. No, yeah. I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, I, I get it. Okay, so there's. I would agree. I think in our area, the word liberal would be used kind of like. Right. So, but your area. so that's reflected in the churches around me as well. So there is. Um, I would say that there's probably more liberal than the way that I'm using the word liberal churches in my area. 
you know, and the Episcopal Church is a perfect example of this. You know, we care more. They're basically when I went to the Episcopal Church, the the uh, I don't know what they call him, pastor, whatever. Uh, he said to me, he said, we care more about relationship than we do about doctrine. Okay, so I would say that there is a lot of that around. Those are not the kind of churches that I'm trying to go to. Those are not the kind of churches that I'm going to try to fellowship in. Are there Bible-believing and good Christians within those communities? I have to assume there are. But that doesn't seem to be the standard within those kind of churches. The kind of churches that I'm looking for to visit and fellowship with people are those that are Bible-believing and for me, usually, I mean, I, I'll go to a Methodist church, I, and I visit a, uh, one of my relatives as a pastor at a Methodist church, so I visit a Methodist church on a, on a regular basis. But, um, you know, I go to Bible-believing, usually reform, uh, uh, I would say, pretty uh, biblically faith-based churches. And we so have- you've already, you're already select from that massive uh, menu of church, quote, church options, you're not just going randomly. You're actually, you have a sub, you have a, uh, a criteria, right? I, I have you things have that I'm looking for, right. Selected. Right. So, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, at Torah Resource Institute, there is, uh, there's some sub-reading in some of the classes. Now, the sub-reading is from two pastors here in town, Bruce right. Stabbert. And, yeah, plurality uh, of leadership. And Burnworth. Yeah. Now, both these guys, you know, my, my father and Burnworth uh, were very good friends, and Burnworth uh, uh, influenced my father in his, in his uh, thesis, in his master's thesis on covenants. Um, and I'm not going to say that either of these, I don't think any, any believer has everything put together correctly. You know, was it Calvin who originally said, I know that uh, N.T. Wright used to start all of his classes with it, but I think he got it from Calvin, with the idea that, uh, uh, 30% of what I tell you today is, is uh, going to be wrong. I just don't know what the 30% is. So, you know, it's that kind you know, I believe that about pastors too. We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. But the point is, is that you got really good Bible believing pastors at, at some of the churches that I've been to that they have solid theology and they can preach. <laughs> I sat down with a, a buddy I grew up with. He's a pastor at a church now here in, in uh, Tacoma as well. And uh, boy, he just loves the Lord, you know, and just willing to, to talk and, you know, just a, it was a blessing to be with him. And so those are the kind of people that I'm, and his theology is just spot on. Obviously, there's there's holes in it, I would say, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I would agree as much with a messianic rabbi <laughs> as I would with the pastor that I sat down and had coffee with. Um, let's get to this comment. This is a great. This is a great thing to discuss here. Um, and now there's been too many comments, so I have to find it real quick. Why not attend a local synagogue today instead of a church on Sunday? Okay, well, um, that's a good question. Yeah. I've, I've done that. That's a. That's a, a. The difficulty I encountered with that, and actually, you know, I, I've attended Orthodox, but I've also attended Reform because I actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this, I actually worked. At a reform synagogue, I worked at uh, TDHS in Bellevue and Seattle, which is a very well-to-do Temple to Hirsch uh, Sinai. Um, I taught Hebrew for their religion school. 
And that was a trip. That was difficult. You know, that that's what we call very, you know, uh, what we would think of as left-leaning in terms of social, you know, expressions and stuff like that. Um, you know who I'd like to hear? And I've, I've attended even a conservative, you know, not regularly, but um, to me, I, that's just, you know, so for some people, maybe that is something they could do. Um, uh, Derek, Derek, spot on here. Local synagogues, we have no fellowship in a place that denies Yeshua. Doesn't matter if they respect Shabbat or Torah. It's not a place for us to find fellowship. Then he says, doesn't mean we don't build bridges and make friends, but that's not the same as fellowship. I right. couldn't that's, agree more. And you know who would be really good to answer a question like this, to hear his thoughts on this would be a Bobby Walters. Bobby Walters does work with the Hasids in New York, and uh, him and his family are just a, I mean, I've, I wish I've, I had met the rest of his family, but Bobby is just a blessing. Every time I see Bobby, he's just an encouragement to me. And, uh, you know, he's kind of... He's that warm uh, air on on a chill, chilled day. You know what I mean? Like I see him and I'm just like, ah, yes, Bobby Walters, uh, such a great guy. Uh, but I think I think that Derek hits the nail right on the head, man. You know, uh, I've attended Orthodox synagogue when I was when I was in Israel. I attended an Orthodox synagogue for two months straight, and uh, and it's true. Can we gain something out of that? Sure. Paul uh, Paul went to synagogues as well. I think the tide hadn't changed quite as much. There was still an ear to hear. Somebody finds out that you're messianic in a synagogue, you're not there. I mean, you get kicked out pretty quick. Um, and beyond that, uh, you know, I within Orthodox and Hasidic communities, the one thing that I think has to be very you have to be very cautious about is Kabbalistic belief and practice. You know, the idea that the synagogues got everything right or that the form of Judaism that they have ascribed to it dates back to the first century is just simply not true. Um, it's been corrupted by a lot of outside religions, just as the prophet said, right? I was, I was uh, meditating this morning on Deuteronomy 31. He says, when, when you, he says to Moses, when you cross over, you know, when they, you know, you're going to die right now. But when they cross over, mm -hmm. they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna whore after other gods. They're gonna go. They're gonna accept other gods. You know, they're and I'm gonna reject them. I'm gonna hide my face from them. Well, to think that that is hasn't happened, I think is a bit ignorant. Um, now, this does not give us a place. I, I want to quickly say this does not give us a place to espouse supersessionism, replacement theology. And or some kind of uh, you know uh, vengeance or or uh, bad mindset towards the people of, of Israel, God's people. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, you know, I think that uh, I think that the the scriptures are very clear about this. Even Paul, right? So, um, but we do need to pray for our brothers and sisters, for our you know for the ethnic Jewish people, and that they will come back and become grafted back into the to the olive tree right um, okay well here and here's here's one of the ways of approaching this situation is from a perspective of who i am in other words who i am who am i in messiah and what do i need and what is what does he want me doing right what what am i to do where do i belong and and those are 
those are big questions, right? And, and if I go, and what's good for me? If I, if I go, you know, if my logic is, wow, the Jews are, you know, if I think along these lines, Jews are God's people, Orthodox Jews keep the Torah, the Christian church I grew up in rejects the Torah, but I believe the Torah is true. Therefore, I need to go spend time with people who affirm the Torah, and I'm going to go, and I don't want to learn from Christians because Christians have theological uh, biases that have skewed things forever. Uh, <clears throat> and then you add, season that with a little bit of Holocaust and Crusades, you know. Yeah. Uh, and now what I'll do is I'll go, okay, answer's easy. I'm going to go to the Orthodox synagogue and I'm going to learn from the real people, right? The, I've seen people approach that and what happens is they reject Yeshua. Right. You know what I mean? They, they're, what they viewed as valuable and as precious was not the personhood of Yeshua. What they viewed was that the frame was, was, was this logical path of like church, bad, paganism, uh, misrepresentation of all things Jewish, um, over again, the truth of the Torah. Right. Where do I go to get the true Torah? The rabbis, and the rabbis have authority. Therefore, now all of a sudden, the, you know, the Talmud and the Mishnah is the word of God also, and now I'm under rabbinic authority and I need to convert, right? I mean, that's that's the logical path that some people, that many, I, many people take. I've, I, there was a family, that, a dear family to me that uh, I, I lost touch with, unfortunately, and I couldn't figure out why. And just last week, I found out, you know, I, I, I found out they're, they've converted, you know, they're very into Jews for Judaism. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, and there's one final thing I want to say on this before we move on to what we're going to call deal breakers. And that is this, you know, my situation, my family and my wife and my situation, I think is in itself unique. In that, my wife and I feel that we've been called by the Lord into ministry. And that doesn't just mean going and finding people who don't believe in, in Yeshua. We believe it's our mission to build up in love the body of Messiah. And, Bingo. Uh, and Bingo. We've, we've, we've taken, you know, we have a mission verse that we, that we use, a mission, it's actually a mission passage from, from Ephesians. Um, and the the core of that of that passage is building up the body in Messiah. So because of that, I understand that it might not be everyone's cup of tea to go and visit um, churches. You know, uh, we do that because we feel like the Lord has has uh, because we're trying to build people up in love of Christ of Messiah, right? Um, and so, and I think that, that was Philip. You know, Philip's comments uh, in his email to me, I think that's kind of what I realized maybe I, I needed to clarify is that, okay, uh, it's not a one size fits all. You know, this is, it's, it's, you know, we have, we're in a very specific situation. So, okay, with that said, let's move on. We've uh, chatted now for quite some time uh, about this. And so this conversation now, is going to bring us into what are deal breakers. And so as, uh, you know, 
as uh, somebody in an email said, uh, you know, are you, how can you go to liberal churches and, and you know, that believe in homosexuality and all the, all these kind of things and, and affirm what they're affirming? Well, that's not what I'm doing. So what is a deal breaker? When do I, when do I cut the fellowship ties? And this is actually a hard question. This is a harder question than it was to do a faith statement, right? Last week we looked at our faith statement. What is it that we believe in? Um, that we would consider, you know, the foundational beliefs of our faith. This week we're looking at what are the things that are deal breakers. Okay, so I I got five. How many do you have, Rob? I haven't seen Rob's. Rob hasn't seen. Uh, mine. Are you on the chat? I've just got a sketch. <laughs> I have five, but they okay. they like yours last week. They have like subheadings and all this, so it's it's actually kind of messy. But okay, you want to start? or You want me to? I well just. I, the way you're talking about it now frames it in a way that I'm actually thinking of different ideas when I was thinking to myself about this. Um, okay, tell me how you because, were thinking like, about for it example, first. the idea of like someone mentioned abortion or or uh, you know alternative quote lifestyle kind of things. Obviously, I think maybe we need to say that yeah, of course those are those are deal breakers. Um, but we're. See, but we this, sh- it's good that we're sh- that that this causes a little bit of discomfort because Yeshua didn't call us just to be insulated, right? right. We, we are to be stretching, and we need to be about His business. And it's on each of us to to discern what that business is in our specific situations, and to recognize that it's not a it's not a cookie cutter, but it will all benefit for the, his glory and for the benefit of his kingdom, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't be inspiring us to do this. But what, what, one, of the, one of the problems that I see in this is that it depends. If, I go, if I'm going to go to a congregation, if the congregation believes as a, you know, as a belief, they believe this is a congregation, I'm not going to affirm it, and I don't want to be a part of that. However... Right. If an individual comes into my, into a congregation that I'm a part of that rejects a certain thing, let's take abortion, for instance. I am adamantly against abortion in pretty much like in all cases, not pretty much in all cases. I'm against abortion. OK, I believe that abortion is wrong. I believe it's not biblical. We've talked about this on the show before. With that said, there are people that have come to congregations that I've been a part of and been a member of that have believed in abortion, believed, oh, it's okay up until a certain time, or, oh, it's okay if, you know, in this instance or, or something like that. So those people, it's not like I said, these people have to get out of the congregation. I disagreed with them, certainly, right? And we had conversations about that. And this is all theoretical discussion, Right. As far as uh, essentially, you know. right, right. No one's, it's not like there's someone who's pregnant who says, I'm going to go do this, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, right. Which would be, that would be a heartbreaking situation and, and that would be required different uh, response, obviously. So, um, but, but, but back to that, back to the idea of deal breakers. To me, one that I, just the way we're talking about it now that gives me a different way of thinking than I did earlier was if I was visiting a place and I don't care if it's a Sunday church or a Shabbat fellowship, and there was some sort of, you, like, let's say I was just going to visit for a while. And I know that, you know, people, they might meet all day long, but I was just going to be there. I was going to come maybe for the message, 
some prayers, maybe some prayers of praise and worship, and maybe have a little bit of have a snack with people during Oneg, and then I and then I leave. If someone said, "You either need to be here the whole day, or not at all," that would be a that would be tough for me. That would be that would be I I would say I would want to say, well, you know. That's not a theological difference, though, right? That's not it, right? This is not a theological difference, but it's a. Um, there's a. I think there's a level of of insularity that we need to, be, we need to be aware of, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I I from my perspective, it's hard to imagine because I'm there all the, you know, I'm one of the first people there, and I'm always one of the last people to leave, kind of thing. It's so, that my, um, our, but our, I know there's our, people that come and visit and that they're in a different place in their life. And I would never go up. I, I can't imagine a situation where I go to someone and say, look, you come a lot of Shabbats, but you, you come and then you, you leave. And, um, you know, it'd be, I could say maybe it'd be great for you to, to hang out longer, but I, I don't, I can't imagine myself saying, look, you either, you need, you have a choice to make, you know? You're either going to be here the whole time or, you know, you're going to have to find a different place. I gotta be, I, that I gotta, would be tough for me. I, I got to be a little careful because I know that there are people who uh, who go to my small group that listen to this show. So, I, I you know, I never want to I never want to offend anyone that is a part of uh, the group that uh, that, you know, we we uh, that we have. Um, however, I've wondered, you know, my wife has put together this wonderful uh, ladies group and the ladies, all of them say, oh, it's just. It's so needed, you know, and I've had other ladies come to me and say, what your wife, you know, this is, we just, it's so spiritually fulfilling and, you know, we're just so grateful for it and blah, blah, you know, all these wonderful things. And one of the things that happens is there are people who go to my wife's ladies group, which is right before our Shabbat meeting, but then leave and don't come to, to our small meeting. Now, I'm the one who teaches at the small meeting. Like, your <laughs> yeah. husband doesn't have anything I want. Thank exactly, you. Exactly, <laughs> man. Which is fine. I'm not against it. I, th- I, I mean, that's totally fine, and I don't want to put anybody down. I think that's that's great that they, that people find my wife's, uh, you know, and it's not my wife's, but just the, the group that the ladies have put together, sure, that, it, sure. that it's benefiting them in such a way. I think that's fantastic. But I understand, you know. I'm not going to sit there and say, if you don't come to small group as well, you can't come to the ladies. You know, it's not like that. Um, So, okay. So imagine being on the receiving end of that kind of message. To me, would that be a deal breaker? That's what I was trying to identify with. So I, and now I've said this before, I've said this not here on the show, but I've said this to, uh, to people in, in my, in personal interaction. And that is, is that I see the Torah in, in multiple ways. You have different authority structures. And some, some pieces of authority structure don't touch other pieces of authority structure. So in other words, we put ourselves under the authority of, of leadership at a community. But there are certain things about a, family, a family's business and what they do that that, that that spiritual authority doesn't touch. In other words, you know, and I'll give you a good example well, I'll give you two examples. First of all, the the, uh, the the congregational leadership can't come into my house and say, you didn't make your bed. Now, at our congregation, everyone makes their bed and they make it this way. And if you don't do that, you can't be a part. That's not, that is a family issue, whether or not we right, want to make right. our bed or not. Now, it gets dicey, though, a little bit, and I'll tell you why. You know, you have, uh, and I've experienced this one. You're, you know, uh, somebody is letting their child watch movies that aren't, maybe age appropriate 
Now, ultimately, I think this could go both ways. And the reason why is because it's up to the parents to be in charge of the children. At the same time, if the child is um, learning words that should not be said and then are using them around the other congregants' children, then it affects the congregation. So, you know, there's, but there is an authority structure that's laid out in, in the Torah. And some things, you know, I would say that if, if a congregation, and this is where we get into, um, and I, I mean, we, I'll use the word, this is where we get into cult territory. When, when the leadership of a congregation attempts to take over the authority that a father or a mother has within the home, that's when you start to get into cult territory. And that, in my opinion, should not be done. In other words, the congregational leadership does not have the right to become the parental authority and the authority within the home. That is, that is left for father, mother, so on and so forth. Um, so it, in your scenario of you have to stay for the whole time. No, that is up to my family and our time and the way that we see our keeping of Shabbat and or fellowship with other people. So in other words... Again, you, these are these these individual cases are still not going to be sufficient to address all the possible oh, things that can that can rise up. Uh, okay, can let's, let's move to the list then. Let's move to the list. Because uh, I got five as well. You want to start or you want me to? Okay, yeah, well, I'll give you my first one. My first one is bilateral ecclesiology. Oh, now that's not now, on I've my list at all. I've never experienced this firsthand, but I've had a, heard from a couple people who were Gentiles who went in went in for a Shabbat, and they were wearing tzitzit, and they were told, you're not Jewish, you're appropriating what's not for you. That's not for you. That's like going, and the, the one specific uh, person told me that they were told by the quote rabbi, it's like a woman going into a man's bathroom. Like he used that as the as the metaphor for the the um, inappropriateness of the situation. Yeah. So, so to I, me, I, that that's that uh, that that type of bilateral ecclesiology is is. Uh, so and my, I've heard other worse ones, like when you have a a couple, you know, that one's Jewish and one's not, and how that's been um, like you can't come here unless she converts or unless he converts that sort of thing. Okay. So I actually uh, essentially have, and these are not the, I'm not talking Orthodox, right? This is supposed Jesus believing. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about bilateral. So I actually have a form of this on my list then too. My number four is ethnic superiority. That is, yeah, that that's a good. Yeah. That is Jew and Gentile and or black and white. And the reason I put black and white on here is because of the Black Israelite movement, right. and and I see the exact same thing in the Black Israelite movement. You're stealing our, you know, you're stealing. The Jews are really black people. You're stealing it. You're, you know, all these kind of things. And uh, it, basically, I think that any of that was done away with in in Paul's discussion of the of the dividing wall that's been torn down. These ethnic bar- barriers have been well. Yeshua down. knocking over the money changer tables. Exactly. He cites Isaiah fifty six. My house, you know, prayer shall be called a house of all people. Right. Right. Uh, why is he? Why is he knocking over these things? It's because they had set up some sort in their systems. It had been. It had mess. Uh, it was contrary to God's purposes, and Yeshua was rightly angry and acted on it. So uh, hang on just a sec. I would like to uh, I'd like to comment uh, 
Josiah in the chat room says, once we start keeping Torah, we are making a distinct move from Christianity because Christianity has ditched the Torah and want nothing to do with it. That is absolutely and totally false. I would I would disagree with this because I would consider myself a Christian. Right, same here. So I would be, I don't fit in that guy's map. The, well, the and, map, and, and, the, the guy just, whoever. Not only that, Josiah, Josiah, not only that, but not, not only that, but you go to, there are a lot of Christian churches around here. Their top priority is to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves. They don't murder. They don't commit adultery. They don't lie. They don't steal. They don't gossip. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. That's all Torah. And to say that they have ditched the Torah and don't care about it is simply false. They they have put away fourth, and there's historical reasons for this. I'm not saying they're good reasons or right reasons. But there's historical reasons why they've put away kosher, circumcision, uh, the Sabbath, the festivals. And granted, there's some misunderstanding and there's some, yeah, and, and right. And so are those deal breakers? And, and, and does that make them a different religion? I don't think it's a different religion. I don't either. Now, now if we start talking about like Catholicism and the, and the mass ah. and stuff like that, I might say. So, okay, yeah, so, I, wait, so, so, so now we're talking about my number one. Okay, let, let me let me go with my number one. So yours was ethnic superiority, essentially, or bilateral, or bilateral ecclesiology. But a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians would have, um, a lot of Christians would would believe in bilateral ecclesiology in that they're that yeah, they yeah, believe the church. Well, sure, like the uh, dispensationalists. Sure. Right. Now, or now I would fellowship with those people, but. Obviously, you know, ethnic superiority to me is different than bilateral ecclesiology. No, but if they told you you can't come here unless you Absolutely. take off your seat seat, you you what are you going to do? I'm not going to go. That's yeah, or, or you you know, yeah, that would be tough, especially. And I've heard this the case, and I've never experienced firsthand, but where there's uh, during Oneg, there's some places that have ham, okay. and if you're Jewish, you don't go to that section. Oh no! No, I've had people tell me like that. That really was the case. Okay, so 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 um, I, I, I get it. I mean, that is just like to me. That's like wow. That's like so far. That's just look. I, look, and and to be honest with you, you know, I've gone to a church that, that had a potluck. This was recent, by the way. I went to a church that had a potluck, and uh, you know, there was there was ham and pineapple pizza, and you know, I think there a lot of people would. I can see some messy and he's grabbing the table and flipping it over. <laughs> what is this? But, but instead what we did was we actually, we passed it over. We just had salad and we, um, you know, we use it as a time to talk to our kids about why we don't eat that and how there's know. a misunderstanding. Anyway. Okay. See what you, what you're demonstrating Caleb and what you're teaching through, through your behavior here is that separation of authority you're you and your wife and your kids are like this sphere of and this is in obedience to the shema right and you shall teach them diligently to your children etc and so you're okay taking that sphere into like you've shared about ben like yeah they they tried to give me a a gummy bear and it wasn't kosher so i didn't eat it you know so this is you know what? That, so you're not compromising. So that's the issue. Is like we have to question if 
if I'm going to just say, no, I'm never going to visit a church, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of that somehow I'm going to have to compromise on something? And if so, I should, you know, if I really feel strongly, I'm not going to go to that church. I should know exactly why. And I should know precisely what the compromise I would, what it would cost me to go there. And what I'm hearing from your experiences is that you have a, a clear differentiation between the authority of the church and that local community and that pastor and the authority that you have with your family that you and Lakeisha are, are raising. And you see that it's not a threat to you. There's not, it's not like you going to no, the church. They're like, a, they're assaulting your, your home. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I, and, and this is true. So I don't want to downplay this either. Admittedly, there are times when I walk into a church and I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, but you if that would be true in a messianic synagogue that you've never been to. You might That's true. Find. Okay, so the, so let's go back to my list. My number one is idolatry. <laughs> now I expand on this. Oh, gotcha. Praying to idols and or people instead of God. Now I've been to uh, churches that might have you know a statue of Peter or something in the foyer. But I've also seen, and I, I will not stay at a place like this, I started to walk into a place, actually at SBL, they had a uh, they had a, a prayer room. Well, I didn't realize it. it was Catholic. I walk in, and they have, you know, Mary up front and Jesus on the cross and everything, and people are, like, turning to the different... And I've never been to, through a Catholic Mass or a Catholic service, so I don't know. I don't know if this is normal or what, but they're turning to the different uh, statues and and, you know, saying the prayer and then, you know, recite. I don't know. It, it was just, I turned around and walked right out. I, I have no tolerance for that. There, you know, in my opinion, this is what Israel did, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Israel comes out, this is what Israel did. And I don't think that Christians should be doing it either. Obviously, it's not only is it against Torah, I think that every Christian would believe. At least I think every Christian should believe. I shouldn't say that they would, but every Christian should believe and then, I mean, this is this is part of church history, right? The iconoclast uh, uh, disputes. Um, so, I I fully believe that we should keep statues and or images out of our places of worship. Um, and of course, there's exceptions to every rule, right? We have synagogues that have beautiful mosaics on the floor when you walk in, and you know, I think that that's a little different than having a statue of you know of Mary and people like kissing the feet and, and this kind of thing. Right, right. Um, so that's okay. Um, go ahead with your number two. Um, I need WD-40, by the way. I don't. Can everybody hear this? Yeah, that's not too bad. Okay. Um, go ahead. I, it's this superiority, not ethnic, but it's the idea of we're better than the church. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, in other words, because I've heard it in Messianic, so, uh, uh, you know, communities where there's Jew and Gentile fellowshipping. So it's not a it's not necessarily ethnic or, or Jew versus Gentile. It's not necessarily bilateral, but the attitude of those silly Christians, those. Right. Uh, so, um, so it's, it's kind of a, it's not that they're complete. Christianity is completely pagan. Um, but I'm better than them. And, it, but, and, but it's not like a, a full embrace as brothers and sisters. It's like, it's like, we know better than they do. And now here's a point. I, I might agree that, yeah, there are certain things I think that, at least in my personal experience, that I believe that are, are super solid and, and absolutely foundational to who I understand myself to be in Yeshua that are 
inextricably woven and connected with with affirming the pro Torah, right? A, a one Torah and a promise theolo- a theology kind of right. um, worldview. And I, I'm not going to compromise on any of that. And I can understand that many of my Christian brothers and sisters have that love for the Lord. They'll affirm the greatest commandments like you shared, but they're not anchored in this worldview. And so the question is, do I, does my worldview ultimately have anything to offer their present worldview? And the thing is, I, you know, God promises that those who meditate on his Torah are like a tree that grow and right. we bear fruit in the season. And, the, and like, you know, Psalm one, Jeremiah 17, if we're really confident that we're this tree, then we don't have anything to worry about. People will benefit and they'll learn. And, and we've got to let the Ruach HaKodesh be their guide, just as the Ruach HaKodesh guided me in my kind of wiggly path, you know, over the last 25 years, or actually my whole life, right? So we have to give, think of the grace that God has shown you. Are you showing that much grace to other people? Um, you know, I, I, that's a big lesson. I can I, at least show as much grace to others that God has shown me. I at agree. Least. And one of the things that I also, I, I, I think this should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you are, uh, you know, are pursuing Torah and you have a uh, fellowship that you like, uh, Shabbat meeting fellowship, fantastic. That's praise the Lord for oh, that. There's, a lot, yeah. of, there's a, lot of, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have that. So I'm not suggesting, oh, you should be going to the Christian church. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's please don't hear that. Uh, you know, a Sunday Christian church or anything like that. If you have a place that you're going, that's, that's fantastic. And trust me from the emails that we get on a, on a weekly basis, you are blessed, uh, more than, than uh, some others in, in, uh, the tour movement. Okay. My number two, uh, deal breaker is adding to the canonical books. Now this oh, actually this Lord, actually this actually uh, crosses over into Hebrew roots and messianic probably more than into Christianity. I would say that the I would say the majority, if not all, of the Christian churches that I have visited in my lifetime have basically affirmed a sixty six book canon. However, sure. there so have been born of refor- born of the Reformation, right. One way or another. Yes. Um, whereas the Messianic and Hebrew Roots congregations that I've been to and attended, not all, certainly not all of them. In fact, uh, there have been some wonderful, wonderful Messianic congregations that I've been to. Um, I've had, the, because of uh, the work that my father and I have done together, I've had the opportunity to visit a significant amount of Messianic congregations around the world, not just in the United States, but around the world, and have been extremely blessed to see the way that the Lord is moving and and uh, building up these communities. So I don't want to make it seem like the majority of Hebrew roots or Messianic uh, congregations are doing this, but there is certainly a move within, this, within those groups. Um, I don't know how large that move is, but to right. accept books that are not in the 66-book canon. One of the things that I think, um, one of the ways that this happens is that there is a, we need to be keeping rabbinic literature. In other words, there's a high emphasis on rabbinic literature, Mishnah, Talmud, that slowly but surely moves over into it's God-ordained or or God-sanctioned. Now, the the words God-breathed are never actually used. At least I haven't heard them for Mishnah and Talmud. But uh, God-sanctioned or God-ordained. In other words, God has accepted them as his word, and therefore they need to be kept. This is adding to the canon. And in my opinion, I'll have none of it. But this goes for Christianity, too, in things like Mormonism, right? 
I'm not I'm not going to a place that's going to have Joseph Smith uh, books right, right. being or the same with uh, you know with Jehovah Witness and the, and is it Jehovah Witness Ellen G White or is that Seventh Day Adventist? I'm getting my I'm getting my subgroups uh, mixed up. Uh, Ellen White is Seventh Day Adventist. Seventh Day Adventist. Um, you know I and. And to be honest with you, I haven't had a, a ton of interaction with the Seventh Day Adventists, so you know I'm not exactly sure their exact stance. I know, I know that there's different um, kinds of Seventh Day Adventists, so once again, I don't want right. to lump everyone together in one big glob. But um, basically, if if people are teaching from other books, and I would have to say that this pr- probably goes for the Catholics as well, although I know that some Catholics believe that the uh, Apocrypha is not on par with the Scriptures. But the point is is that if you're using other books besides the 66-book canon and saying they are on par with the 66 books, then I can't theologically uh, stand with you because that means that, we, that you're, using a different, you're using a different textbook you're using a different law code, and I can't, you know, I can't do that. I hear you. Okay. Uh, I was on number two. What are you on? Number three? Um, yeah, number three. So I, these could probably go together, but they come down to where imagination overrides investigation, or I put... Uh, or another way to categorize it is speculative sensationalism. And I would put sacred name and like Hebrew word pictures under that. I was thing. trying so if, to figure out how words, to say if that. Someone was teaching, if someone was teaching, you know, the Hebrew word is this, and it's made of these three letters. Each letter is a picture. Here's the pictograph of each. And here's what it is. It's man, ox, staff. And that tells us what the word means. And then they're in there. And that's like what they're teaching people. I would, I couldn't just, it wouldn't be just leave. I would actually have to like voice something. It would be a deal breaker. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's a deal breaker. I can't, if someone continued, uh, if that was their angle and the same is with the sacred name. Now we're, uh, in our local community, we have different people who have different ways of pronouncing the name. So when they're reading and we, we have, you know, people are welcome to sign up to, to read from the, from the scriptures. So they come up and they read and assign, you know, 20 verses or whatever, and they're bringing up different translations and you hear all these different translations with different pronunciations. And some are like the Lord, Adonai. And then you have the various ways that vocalize the Yote Vahe. And, uh, and it's like, you know what, whatever, you know, in liturgy, we just say, I don't know, I just spit on my desk. Um, but we're, we're, we decided we weren't going to institute, like, this is the, the thing, you know, this is the way to pronounce it. And I've taught at different times when it matches our reading selection uh, about the history of the, where these come from, these different approaches that you see that are popular and what, where they are rooted in history and how new they are. And what's the thought process behind them? Because there's very different genealogies for each of these ideas. Um, but if someone's out there saying, this is it, I'm like, look, no, it's not. You know, I, that's a deal breaker. You know, so I but, thought about, I thought about this a lot. And the reason why was because I thought, I, first of all, what you're saying was pretty much on my list. And then I, I eventually took it off. And here's oh, really? why. Okay. And, here, and here's why I thought about 
could I actually be in a community of people on a weekly basis that did exactly what you're saying? And the answer is no. In that, it would be a deal breaker. However, then I thought to myself, would I go visit people who uh, who espouse this kind of teaching? And the thing is, is that I think I would visit and try to make relationship. I think that there's... They, oh, I, w- I could visit. I could probably visit. But in yeah. terms, but I think you're right in terms of actually sitting there on a weekly basis. No, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, that would it, maybe that's personal preference, but it, it, it that's like nails on a chalkboard. So, um, okay, my number three is a really really sticky one, and I'll tell you why. I have people in my community that don't believe this. So this is would I be able to go to a congregation that had this as one of their tenants or one of their beliefs. That is deity of Yeshua. If somebody doesn't believe in the deity of Yeshua, if you reject Yeshua as yod heh vav Emmanuel, God with us, then I think that so to, that not only, I mean, we have a, a total, I think we have different views on soteriology, and I think we have different views on Christology, and therefore we have a different view on biblical theology in general. Um, now, with that being said, I have people who uh, are a part of my group who do not believe in the deity of the Messiah, um, and they've been very respectful, and they have been, um, it's interesting because they've brought some new uh, views that uh, I certainly disagree with, but it hasn't clouded their theology in ways that I thought it absolutely would have to. Um, with that said, um, this would be a deal breaker for me. I wouldn't be able to. I would not be able to attend a, a congregation, and I probably wouldn't visit a congregation that had as one of their main tenets a rejection of the deity of the Messiah. So that if it's being taught like this is, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, even if you know, even if it's not blatant, if you're going to a congregation that doesn't believe in the deity of the Messiah, I, you know, I'm very convinced that this reaches into all aspects of theology. In other words, the way that you read Deuteronomy is going to be completely different if you believe in the deity of the Messiah than if you don't. As weird as that might sure. sound, but it, and maybe even a better one would be Leviticus. You know, I see the sacrificial system as a whole being set up as a picture of the divine Messiah. Sure. And so if you take away that that divine aspect of theology, then what are you left with? You know, basically you're teaching a different doctrine in some cases, not all cases, and I, I, you know, I want to be, I want to give people credit where credit may be due, it, but I would say that uh, that the outlook on theology, on biblical theology, is different if you deny the deity of the Messiah, and therefore I don't know if I'd be able to uh, attend a congregation that, um, oh well, I certainly wouldn't attend one. Would I be able to visit? I don't think I would. I don't know. I don't. I but I don't think I would. Okay, and uh, you have number four. Well, my my three and four was that was the sacred name and, and the word pictures. So my number four was ethnic superiority. We already yeah. talked about so that. So my, we got number my five. Last one, and I could I might get heat from this. Uh oh, because I I didn't put deity, but I agree with you. So that would be that would be one also. So I'm already adding to my list here, <laughs> um, because I presume my presumption with making this list is that all these people already accepted that but i that was me i I didn't actually go wow that you know what if that was the issue um is the idea of 
ordaining messianic rabbis. Ooh, that's difficult for me. Um, uh, you know, Yeshua said, don't, don't be called a rabbi. And I've seen that explained different ways. You know, oh, you know, it's not literal. Um, and they'll say, you know, well, he said also don't, you know, don't call anyone father. You know, so that means I can't, you know, if that's true. And there's a whole reason why that's not correct thinking, because that's not the way the Greek works. He's saying all you, you all don't call one person all your father. He's talking about people who have different earthly fathers, all and calling someone on got, earth. We got that in the Catholic Church, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And we have, you know, it's in rabbinics. We have Abba this, Abba that. And we also have in the early Syriac church, we have Rabban, right? So there was early uh, churches also that used uh, these titles. Um, and it has to do with what I see as the appropriation. Uh, it's an, an anachronism. And it doesn't help. It's overreading of the rabbinic literature, and 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 Jewish traditional Jewish custom that evolved from the Middle Ages, and then somehow letting that be the filtration for reading the gospel. So I'm going to get in big trouble for this one, but I think it's honestly, I think it's self. Uh, I don't want to say love. What's a different word? So you know, uh, pride. It's pride. I need everybody to call me rabbi. I need, you know, I need yeah, I a title. Know. I, I, I feel, uh, because, because, you know, the way, and we've talked about this before, like one of the, the heads of Yeshiva University years ago, in the, just in the Jewish world, addressing this problem of, there's all sorts of Jewish groups that have rabbis, and they're Jewish, and they're rabbis, but they're not, they're not actually um, a trained in the rabbinic view of what, <laughs> what a rabbi is. And so what do we call, what do we do when we have, you know, these people in serving liberal or left Jewish communities, but they're not trained in halakha. They're not teaching people halakha. What, what do we do with the title? And so he differentiated between legitimate and valid. <laughs> so now we have another level of discernment. Okay. You're a valid rabbi. And what that means is you're serving as a, a teacher and a leader in a Jewish community and you're called rabbi. Okay. That's valid. However, it's not legitimate. So he, you see what I mean? So the, right. the hair parsing, a legitimate rabbi is a rabbi that is trained in very specific, um, what we would call Orthodox or even more, um, because so, so the title of the, of the use of the title rabbi, this is the basic point here I'm trying to make the use of the title rabbi or Rav or Rebbe is already contentious within the Jewish world, right? Who who gets that title and what what are the accolades and privileges of that title and what is required for one to earn and have that title? That's already disputed. When all of a sudden we have these new, like, believers in Yeshua who are uh, either Gentile or like, oh, no, I've got Jewish blood somehow, and now I'm going to take a couple classes and I'm a rabbi. That just adds more noise to the thing. Set aside the fact Yeshua says don't be called, don't be called it, right? So that's that's my opinion. So Melody asks a great question. What about the word pastor? So the, this is how I differentiate this. We do have a word that is like rabbi in now. Somebody else says rabbi is just a translation teacher, but but certainly in Yeshua's day, what he's talking to, he says don't don't let any man call you rabbi and call no man father. 
And we see both of these titles being used within Christianity and and uh, Judaism, right? Rabbi for Judaism, Father for for uh, for Christianity. And what you have is you have these people who have basically unlimited authority. They talk There's for God, a, right? There's an employ implied hierarchy and authority that Yeshua says you, you you're all brothers, right? And yeah. the word pastor is actually uh, uh, now it's a translation, but pastor is, is uh, used by Paul. And yeah. I think that the difference is, is, and you know what? I think that the word pastor can get into some, some dicey places. If you are just accepting what, what a head pastor says, and he is the mouth of God, you got major problems, and that needs to be rethought. Um, however, you know, my uncle, who is a, uh, he's a fantastic, he's got the gift, man. He's a fantastic pastor. He's a Baptist pastor down in California. He said to me one time, and his congregation is very large. I don't know exactly how big it is. I think 4,000, something like that. Um, he said to me one time, he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm the head pastor. He said, that's what it says on my business card, but we all know who the real head pastor is. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Yeshua. Right. And, you know, he said to me, I answered to 26 other pastors. We got 26 pastors in total. I answered to the other 25. So, you know, uh, I think that that's the kind of model that we see within the scriptures is we're, you know, those who are in authority within communities are, are uh, dual leadership, and we all look to one, and this is exactly what that passage says, for you have one rabbi, right? <laughs> you have one father who is the head. So anyway, we could talk more, we've talked about more of the, uh, uh, we've talked about this in other episodes as well. Yeah, and, and Yeshua says, don't do it. Don't be right. called it. Right. And so I, I, I want to, in the, in the, the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to lean towards what Yeshua is saying, right. you know, not to the, uh, messianic groups that ordain and call themselves rabbis. I don't care if they're Jewish. I don't care this, you know, that, um, to me, what it is to me there, it's a capitula, it's a, uh, it's a fudge. They're fudging on, on something and therefore, if they're fudging there, they're probably fudging elsewhere. You know, I mean, that's that. Maybe that's maybe I sound harsh, and that, you know, but I got to stand before Yeshua. Right. You know, I I frankly don't care if anybody disagrees with me. <laughs> you know, frankly, doesn't bother me. Okay, you know? I, got, I got a number five. I got a number five. My last, okay. my my last and final one is is this. The departure from biblical morality and or social club believers. Now, these are probably two different classes. But when you have a, uh, you know, a gay pastor or a lesbian pastor um, in a church, instantaneous, you have departed from um, biblical morality. I want nothing to do with it. Now, this isn't to say, please don't hear me say this. I think that uh, uh, people who have homosexual attraction... Um, I think, you know, they're still people and there and there are p good people who uh, are attracted to the same sex who have uh, put that before the Lord and have rejected that and have uh, and are living their lives according to biblical ethics. OK, so I'm not saying that, you know, anyone who has same sex attra attraction to needs to uh, be shunned, but um, somebody who's living in sin. And this would go also it's this is not I'm not just singling out homosexuality. Um, the, you know, I, there was a Lutheran church down the street from me when I was growing up and the pastor of the Lutheran church had gotten a divorce and was living with his girlfriend in the parish. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, this is just as egregious to me. 
Um, anything like this, I think, departing from bib- biblical morality in these things and living a life in that vein uh, needs to be rejected. When I say social club believers, this is what I mean. Um, there was a time recently when uh, my mother-in-law had uh, a family member die, and it, and it hit her very hard. And she, uh, my wife and I thought, you know, this might be a good opportunity for us to try to get her to attend a church. So we started looking, and this is actually where us going and visiting churches actually began, as we started going to churches looking for a church for my mother-in-law, where we thought, we were looking for somewhere where we thought, well, she'll she'll feel comfortable here. And to be honest, because of uh, my mother-in-law's background, we thought, you know what, a bigger church, maybe even a mega church, is probably going to uh, make her feel the most comfortable because she won't have to talk to a lot of people. You know, she can kind of slip in and slip out and no one will, will notice. And so we started going and looking at mega churches in our area. And the very first place we went, um, it was like a concert. We went in, the music was loud, huge stage, you know, light show, uh, literally a light show going on. There was an usher that took us to our chairs, sat us down. Um, and it was it was incredible in, in uh, that I pretty much couldn't believe what I was seeing. This is not a joke. There was a Lexus commercial. The pastor did a Lexus commercial before he started his, his sermon. I'm not joking. And he tied it in with, we have people that can't, uh, that can't uh, um, uh, drive here on Sundays. And so Lexus has been nice enough to, to send out some cars that, and go pick these people up. So if you want a Lexus, you know, go talk to my friend, you know, Jerry down at wow. the, I'm that's, not, jo- I'm not joking. Fancy stuff, we, man. we were, ju- we were, ju- we were shocked. And then what happened was the the sermon was essentially, you know, the pastor was an older gentleman, but obviously had a stylist. His hair was spiky. And there's nothing wrong. You can dress however you want. I don't care. But the point is, is that it seemed to me it was all for show. And uh, we went through the, you know, he went through this this teaching and there was maybe a Bible verse in there, but basically it was a uh, it was a life coaching experience instead of a you know uh, faith building experience. And they gave us these cards, and I, I just thought, man, who has gained anything from this from this twenty minute sermon? I can't imagine. And then they gave us these cards, and on the card it said, "I have rededicated today. I have rededicated my life to Christ, or today I have given my life to Christ." There was no other option. And I thought, well, this is, you know, I, my life has been dedita- dedicated to Christ for some time. Mm-hmm. We walk out into the foyer and there was like a scoreboard. I'm not joking. There's this scoreboard and a counter of how many people have given their life and rededicated their life since the church began. And they're in the thousands. But the, there was no place for me to check like something different. So they're like stacking the deck. I believe that three. I believe the Torah, the commandments are for me today right exactly. zero we have one click up on, the, <laughs> on the so so it's this kind of social club mentality now i'm not saying that you can't have some fun at, at church or at your uh shabbat fellowship you know pl- singing music to the lord uh praying having a good time together eating together these are all things that are totally fine and, and that's not what i mean when i mean social club christianity what i mean by that is this mega church idea that it's all for me in other words, it's all an experience. I go, I get my latte in the Starbucks. Starbucks right. and, the, and the, the the media or the transmission of of the gospel then is just shaped by commercial culture, 
concert. I want to, I want like a high def power experience where I sit and I'm, I'm not really a person. I'm just like this grand observer and I've got my coffee and I just kind of consume this entertainment production. Well, what I didn't understand about it was what's the difference between that church and a, uh, a seminar by Tony Robbins. Now, Tony Robbins, pro- you'd probably get more out of a Tony Robbins seminar. You know, the guy's a trained psychologist or whatever. I laughed. I cried. <laughs> I enjoyed my coffee. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love Jesus. Yeah. To, to be honest, no, I don't know, man. It's probably know. more empty than a Tony Robbins seminar. At least he's trying to help people, you know, with their emotions or whatever. But the point is, is that I just, I didn't see any. There was no thumbprint of Christ on it. There was no right. so thumbprint of Messiah. So what we're getting at, though, what this, one, if anything we've done today with this episode is, Caleb, you've had an opportunity to unpack some of the different, you know, criteria by which you, you, which churches are even on your radar for possible visits. Right. Out of the vast sea. And I can see that maybe some of the listeners thought, you mean Caleb just like sees all those churches and just starts visiting them without discretion. And so what we're talking about is that's the discretion here. Like what, what's the, how do you select and why? And then are you being wise about it? Right. Right. Or are you being foolish? And that, that's the challenge for each one of us is of course we want to be the wise person, not the fool. It's been a fun episode. Wow. Yeah. Good discussion. And I, on, and we had, I, a whole, I know that there's great stuff going on in the chat room, but oh, there is, and you know, we, we had a, we had a whole not. nother discussion ready. Um, Paulette asked about, uh, where in the Bible does it, does it say that you can't have sex before marriage? Maybe next week we can get into we'll, that. Well, we'll jump into it next week. Uh, we got some really good things going on. Now I want to mention this before we leave. We k- kicked around the idea in the office. Rob doesn't know this. We kicked around the, uh, idea in the office this morning about how's about for our next round of producerships, which is coming up and we'll have new art up there in a couple weeks and whatnot. How's about we give every producer, accredited producer, a copy of a digital copy of our new book, Celebrate the Feast. And that, yeah. should, that should be coming out in about a month uh, in hard copy, but we'll give a pre-release to all of our um, all of our uh, producers for Messiah Matters. Now, we haven't decided fully on that, but it sounds like a pretty darn good idea to me. And uh, I, I hope that it's it will. Uh, I hope I hope people will appreciate it. It's another way to, to uh, you know, I understand that a producership for this show is expensive. It's 100 bucks for three months. Right, right. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I want the people who who spend that kind of money to feel like they are um, appreciated and getting something. And so we thank our producers and uh, we'll continue to talk about whether or not uh, we're going to do that or not. And we'll let you know shortly. All right. Well, hey, go to our Facebook page and let us know about what you think uh, in that survey. We hope this uh, show has done one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Why? Because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.